0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin. Proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com The inscription on Psalm 51 that we sang earlier is this. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when, the, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. That's the context of Psalm 51. We get even more in 2 Samuel 11. It was springtime, it's when kings go off to war to defend their people. David's army is out fighting. But David is sitting home alone. And as someone who is sitting home alone, not doing what he's supposed to do, he does what many men at home do. He starts to secretly fantasize and covet what he doesn't have. He goes to his palace roof and he looks down on his kingdom and and from there he sees a girl, Bathsheba, bathing on a rooftop near the palace. So he lusts after her. Then he sends for her, even though she's married to another man, Uriah, uh, who was out at war. He was in David's army. David then commits adultery with Bathsheba, fornicating with her outside of marriage. Bathsheba becomes pregnant. In order to cover up his sin, David calls Uriah home from battle. and He tries to get him to forsake his duty as a soldier and have him go home and lie with his wife. When that doesn't work, because Uriah is upstanding, David tries to get Uriah drunk, and then he sends him home. And when that doesn't work, David sends Uriah back into battle, and he tells his general to put Uriah at the front of the line and then have the entire army pull back at the heat of the battle, thus assuring that Uriah would be killed in battle, but making it look like an accident. David's sin that began in secret has now snowballed out of control. So Nathan the prophet goes to David and he shows David his sin, telling David a parable about a man who who steals and kills another man's prized and beloved sheep. And through Nathan's preaching of God's law, David finally realizes his sin. Psalm 51 is David's confession. His plea to the Lord. But again, notice the inscription. To the chief musician. A Psalm of David. Can you imagine writing a hymn to the choir director of the church to be sung in a public worship service that confesses your sin? Your sin of coveting, of adultery, of stealing, of lying, of murder, of false witness. That's what Psalm 51 is. It's David's public confession to the congregation his sin. And it's so good for us to have this because we have this false idea that, that confession is somehow uh, just a private good work, good thing that I do for God to appease God. That when I confess, God will then forgive. That God is always angry with me until uh, I say the words. And because I say the words, God now changes his mind and is no longer angry with me. But that's not what confession is. We don't confess our sins for God's sake. God already knows my sin. God knew what David had done. David's public confession then is for us. And it's what we need to do as well. Maybe not in song form, but public sins do need to be confessed publicly. David was the king. His sin did not only hurt himself, not only Bathsheba, not only Uriah, but the entire kingdom was hurt by David's sin. Could they trust David after this? David needed to confess for their sake. So for us, too, shrugging off sin is not an appropriate way to deal with it. No sin, no matter what we try to tell ourselves, no sin ever just hurts me. That's often what we think. Well, this doesn't really hurt anybody else. No, all sin hurts at least someone else, and usually many more, like a snowball effect. But look at what David confesses to God. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Against you, you only have I sinned. And done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Although David's sin was against even his entire kingdom, it really ultimately was a sin against God. Because all sin, every commandment that we break is really a breaking of the first commandment. We make ourselves another God. We fear, love, or trust something more than God. And usually that is ourselves. We fear getting in trouble, we love pleasure, and we trust our own cunning or our ability to deal with or hide our own sin. We fear, love, and trust ourselves. All sin is a sin against God. And because all sin is a sin against God, if any sin is going to be forgiven, God needs to be the one who is the one forgiving it. But notice David confesses that God is not an angry judge who who is just smirking in heaven, waiting for you to confess how badly you've messed up. No, God wants you to confess your sin so that you can be rid of it. God is just, and he wants to justify you. He wants to make you holy, to wash you thoroughly from your iniquity, to cleanse you, from your sin. And this is so good for us to hear because you know something I've, I've noticed in the last couple of years is that Christians have started to talk about sin and forgiveness in, in a non-biblical way. Maybe you've heard this phrase, well I know God forgives me but, but I just can't forgive myself. David feels something similar. He acknowledges my sin is always before me. It's plaguing him. He can't forget what he's done. He can't forget how many people he's hurt. He feels the guilt and the shame and the weight of his sin. But David is not the one to do the forgiving. He can't. You can't forgive yourself. Only God can, which he does. He does through words spoken by other people. And usually, like Nathan, by your pastor. So to say, I can't forgive myself, is to actually take God's place and not believe that he's forgiven you. And sometimes also we we say things like this as as an excuse to keep on sinning. If I can justify my anger, well, now I can go on staying angry. And that's what sin does. It it turns us in on ourselves ourselves and makes us into gods. But David now confesses not only the act of his sin but he confesses the depths of his sin. Behold I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. In other words David confesses he's sinful from conception from birth. He's not sinful because he's done things which which might be called sin. Rather, he sins because he is a sinner. No one, not even David, no one but God alone knows the depths of his sin. He deserves punishment. He deserves to be cast off away from, forever from God, away from God's presence, to have God's Holy Spirit leave him to, to take away his faith. So David prays to God, "'Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow.'" Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Now hyssop was a plant that was used for some important things. It was a plant used to apply blood on the doorposts at Passover. It was a plant used to to sprinkle water uh, for for purification on those who had touched something unclean, such as a corpse. And it was a plant used to cure or to cleanse leprosy. So the idea is that by God's hand alone, the merits, the the perfect life and innocent suffering and death of the Messiah, the Lamb of God, are applied to David. The blood of Jesus through through the hyssop plant, through the water and the word for us, that's baptism, holy baptism, is sprinkled on us to remove the stain of sin to be the antidote to death, and even to heal our bodies. David mentions the bones that God has broken. Again, in our modern day, we forget the, we forget the physicality of our faith, and we think we can be a good Christian in our minds, like David staying home and, and shirking his duties. But sin does not just stay in our minds. Sin actually does affect our bodies, that's why putting ashes on our heads is such a powerful reminder. All sin does eventually result in death. To dust you and I came, and to dust we shall return. And on a more immediate scale, the failure to conform your life to God's design and order of things may actually bring on physical problems. David's body, his physical body, felt the crush. Of spiritual anguish. He feels in his body what he has done. So, even his body, David asks God to heal. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Then we come to this familiar section, which we sing many Sundays after we've heard the Word of God, just like David heard the Word of God. Preached by Nathan. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. This is what God wants to do. This is what God does do. He desires us to have a clean heart. He wants us to have a renewed and steadfast spirit. He does not want us to be cast off. Remember how God went to Adam and Eve in the garden after they sinned. God wanted to bring them back. God wanted, to, wanted them to recognize their sin so they could receive his love. God wanted them uh, to give the Holy Spirit to them, and, and God wants to give the Holy Spirit to us to create faith in our hearts, faith which believes that our sins have been forgiven. God wants to restore to us the joy of salvation. Christianity is not supposed to be a drudge where every day you get up worried about what you have or have not done. Have you done enough to please God? Well, no, but Jesus has. And you're forgiven. You've been forgiven. That's what Nathan told to David. So let me say that again. By the authority of God, my holy office, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are forgiven. You don't need to worry about pleasing God because Jesus already has. Lift up your hearts, enjoy your forgiveness, enjoy your salvation. That's why David next writes, For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. We can't buy God's love. We can't buy God's forgiveness. We can't confess our way to earn God's forgiveness. We can't work our way to earn payment for our sins. Rather, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. God wants us to not be prideful in our sin or our lack of sin, but to humbly acknowledge our sinfulness and believe that we are forgiven. And so then we have this beautiful promise These, O oh God, you will not despise. These, O oh God, you will not despise. God will not despise the broken or the contrite. God will not despise you who are crushed by the weight and guilt of your sin he will help, he will restore, he will forgive, he will deliver, he will lift up, he will open, he will cleanse, he will renew, and he will uphold. And solely for the sake of his mercy and loving kindness. Not because we confess, but because he is merciful and is gracious. So because God has forgiven and restored us, We pray, O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.